Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rabbit Trails podcast. Garrick, it's good to see you, my friend. It's good to see you, too, in chilly, chilly Europe. Yeah, I mean, Madrid underneath snow. It's it's uh, crazy. You don't it get to see that cold. once in a lifetime, I'm sure. Well, it snows a little bit, but not like that. That was, yeah, I said, was... once in, since 1971 was the last time they okay. got that level of snow. Okay. So it's, uh, I was kind of hoping chilly. it was going to be in the last hundred years. I was like, everything yeah. else with COVID has been, you know, within the last hundred <laughs> years. years. It's, it's kind of, yeah, unprecedented, <laughs> except for the time that it happens every hundredth year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I feel like it's been a while since you and I just got to, got to chat. I know that, I know that we had a, you know, we've, we've done some podcasts recently, but, uh, I don't know. It's just nice to, to, yeah. to catch shoot up the breeze with you for a while on what we're thinking about. Yeah. I, we, I, I'm going to be honest with you folk at home. Uh, we have no idea where this is going today. None yeah. whatsoever. We in pregame, we said, what do we talk about? And we got to this point and we said, well, let's just start recording and see where this goes. So this is a true experiment in rabbit trails. We will yeah. follow this path where it leads. Who, who was the guy? There's been like a couple of guys who pitched no hitters. What was the, there was a guy who pitched no hitter while, while he was like on LSD. And then I think <laughs> didn't Doc Gooden pitch a no hitter. Like, you know, like, on coke or you know so well, I'm, i mean doc good we're not was always on coke i yeah, don't believe we're not I mean, we're not we're not we're, we're, we're not, not using coke, any though. type of let's just any type of substance, but the point being the point being just to be clear the point <laughs> being is that sometimes sometimes if you just wing it uh, you know good things happen you, you, you hit a no hitter my, I mean, my life pitch. any success i've had in life has been mostly for me winging it i find that when yeah. i plan things it just all goes awry not totally true but uh sounds good when i say it out loud <laughs> um yeah man well i mean we've got i'm sure there's a ton of things we could talk about uh we could talk about the weather but uh let's not do that no. uh it's nice that it's it, it's nice that it's 2021 i'm glad that the calendar year turned i it's, I'm finding it really interesting for me, though, like I saw this written about in the paper and, and I understand the feeling like it was like the moment that the calendar turned 2021, I was kind of like, OK, I'm done with COVID, you know, and because yeah. maybe somewhere in the back of my head, it was kind of like, oh, there's a there's a vaccine out there or whatever else. Yeah. But I find myself constantly having to battle like like right now in Sweden, it's it's not a good situation. It's the highest numbers we've, you know, of infections yeah. we've seen. And they, they're kind of optimistic that things are going to turn here pretty quick, but, you know, just not, not a good situation. So you, you kind of got to hunker down and everything else, but I'm just, I'm antsy, man. I am antsy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a no bueno situation. Yeah. People need to get back to just regular life. You know, you can't, you can only, I think, I think the fact that there's a, a, a a vaccine or vaccines, really, there's a lot of stuff going on. I think that, you know, that gives people a little hope to kind of keep going a little bit longer Yeah. Uh, with, with some things, I think particularly in Europe where I think the, the restrictions are a little bit more, um, you know, they're tighter, I think, but I think knowing that, you know, Hey, there are people getting vaccinated all over the world right now. And that that's, that's got to give people the sense, okay, this thing is hopefully coming to an end and, yeah, hold on for a few more months yeah i mean even if there's like south of african strain which people were really worried about in the first days and now they're a lot less worried about it um but even if something like that comes out like still like okay at least some kind of vaccine or, or whatever would help 
mildly help against it. Like even a yeah. 50% decrease in what we're experiencing now would be yeah. better. Yeah. But you know, I, so this is an interesting thing. You just got back from a, a staff retreat. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. sent, you sent me a picture. You guys are all, you know, obviously you're taking restrictions. You're not you yeah. know, in the, the same type of room you would be or whatever else, but it seems like Matt face masks. In, in Spain, y'all have a little bit more freedom to move around even than we do. Like in Sweden, we don't do masks, but we have a limit of no more than eight people uh, together in a room. Uh, but that's not even together for... in a room, but like, no, I mean, like, it, like if you're going to the grocery store, it depends on the size of the store, but like, that's even for like, work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, to Spain, we, in certain areas of Spain, we have, uh, yeah, no more than six people. But well, they it, so what they've said in Sweden is if, they don't want you meeting with anyone that's not in your household. Yeah. So, but that's not the law. It's the it's the recommendation. And then and then there's things like you're not allowed to have a meeting of more than eight people. Yeah. So for 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 work, we can. I mean, anything. I mean, but the thing I, I'm not sure how maybe in Sweden, but in Spain, if we couldn't get people together for work, uh, I don't I don't know where most places. So as a as a Christian organization that's official, we. We have the right to congregate and do work. Now it'd be different. I think if we invited um, volunteers, people who aren't act, aren't act, um, right. So if you're doing a yeah. student meeting or something, yeah, we, like that we couldn't with like 30 do, people, but like yeah. those who are employed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess technically we could get away with some of those. We've chosen not to, yeah. we, we have a, we have, we're, we're spread out all over the country, but we also have an ability just to do, you know, online stuff. And so we've kind of chosen to do yeah. some of that, but we're going to start, we're going to start here soon meeting face to face again. And um, we've, we started officing at a local, local church that they have enough space where we can spread out quite a bit. So we feel mm-hmm. pretty safe about you that. I mean, I'm, I'm longing for, for interaction with yeah. people. Gosh, I was, I was yeah. dying the other day just to go to a cafe, just to like sit yeah. at a cafe for an afternoon and work and just, Oh, like you guys can't even people. do that. Right no, now? we can't. We can't. Uh-huh. It's just, we, uh-huh. I don't. I've been officing okay. here at the house. So it's yeah. like, if I wanted to, I could go do it. I yeah. just haven't. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no, no, no. Totally fine to do that. Cafes are open, but sometimes I'll go through cafes and it's like, they're packed. So yeah. um, they just came out with a law though, where the government can restrict the number of people uh, by law now. So like our grocery mm-hmm. store up, up where we are, it's a small grocery store. You're limited to like 56 people in there based yeah, on the square time. footage. And, yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that. So that's finally come out, but that wasn't until. Yeah. So I feel like wow. right now it's starting mm-hmm. to get more strict than it ever has been. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the fascinating thing about this is, is, is well, and I think it's a, there's, okay, maybe there's an object lesson here. Cause you, what, what I've seen is like what, what's in, what's happening in Sweden is totally different. At least the way that the society and the government is dealing with it totally different from how Spain is. So we've, we've had, a reverse of what you guys have had we've had in place since um since march limits on restrictions of who how many people can go into certain types of settings uh even for churches you know churches you can only have a certain amount of uh capacity and that's changed over time so sometimes it'll increase sometimes it'll decrease depending on what the situation is but then if you go to other parts of the world you know there there's no restrictions or there's heavy restrictions, like like we're not right. even opening anything up, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Even like in the uh, New country. Zealand and yeah, a lot, of, a lot of Australia. So it's fascinating, but everyone tends to process the 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 entire experience through their own local lenses, right? So I totally. see a lot of that. People assume that we can't in Spain we can't do a lot of stuff because they can't do a lot of stuff in, in their place, or vice versa, you know. Or I assume 
that well they're they must be doing the same stuff we're doing because we can do it and they're they're not able to so it's it's very fascinating and maybe there's a you know something in there about well, yeah, so, complexity so you of the sent, world. You sent me, so I think that, I no, I think this definitely, so this goes into missions, this goes into how do you Oh yeah, cultures. here we go. I know where we're going. Um, now. So, great. but but you sent me the picture, okay, of your staff team and, mm-hmm. and y'all are, you know, not huddled together, but you're not, you know, far apart from each other. Yeah. You're, you're in a picture, uh, you have your masks on and I would say culturally appropriately, that's okay to do. But in Sweden where we don't wear masks, no one would have taken that picture right now. We would have been completely spread out. So we yeah. would have maintained that social distancing. So I think I, for, for me, what it, a lot of it says is a, a culture's response to situations needs to reflect the attitudes and the ethos of that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there may be a scientific reason why an approach is a bad reason. Okay. So like, you know, I don't know, whatever. I could think of a situation in which that would be the case. So I'm not necessarily commenting on that. I am saying though, it's interesting sitting on this side of it. I looked at that picture and I was like, that's dangerous. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. you would look at the picture, you know, my staff team or something to be like, why are they doing it that way? But neither one of us are Spanish and neither one of us are Swedish, but yet like we've accepted and we've, 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 uh, uh, appropriated the culture, not appropriated, Mm. but we've absorbed the culture in some way. But I do think that that is, you have to think about that. So when we're talking about missions and you're talking about crossing cultures, you have to think about those things when you're trying to be a missionary, because it's not, it's not wrong that you guys took the picture the, the way you did. Um, or that y'all, you know, had a, had a staff retreat, but there, there's a cultural aspect to that. And, and even in order to cross that culture, one must kind of know where are the boundaries and how is this? And then yeah. the why behind it, I think becomes the most interesting thing. Why for Spain? And I don't have the answer to that, but why for Spain is that the, why is that the, um, what do you call it? Uh, common sense. And why for mm-hmm, Sweden mm-hmm. is the other way common sense. You know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and that plays into how we absorb the gospel or how we process the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, in the, which. So the the funny thing, the grand theory of the whole, and I'm not a doctor or anything, so I don't want to. I'm not. I'm just making an observation. Is that everyone's done different stuff? And we've all gotten the same results, pretty much. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so that is so fascinating. It, so it kind of, it kind of, it kind of boggles the mind a little bit. I mean, once again, I, I will be careful of that because you know, obviously, well, I'm not a scientist. Um, I don't, I don't even play one on TV, uh, but uh, you know, so, so, but it's, it's, that's fascinating to me. It's like, we've all taken all the, you know, every state, every place is doing all these different things. And yet uh, we're generally having mainly the same, you know, roughly the of, same percentage of population yeah. is affected roughly. Yeah. Especially if you're European uh, yeah, or Western or Western cultures, Africa is maybe a little bit different and in, in India and in, in, in Asia, they're, they're all different. Asia, but even, yeah. but even like, but even some of the places in Asia, which weren't having outbreaks at first are starting to have outbreaks now. So yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's, it's a fascinating that's a fascinating thing right there. And of course, in the beginning, everyone was like, okay, they're doing this and they're not getting results. So we should do that. And it's like, yeah. oh, now everyone's just pretty much the same. It's all just yeah. terrible. It's all, ter- <laughs> it's all bad news. Uh, yeah, it's all bad. Um, okay. So but let's, I mean, Randy right there is, you know, in missions, being a part of a large, one of the largest, if not the largest sending organizations in the world, we, 
even even you know looking from a state side of things our organization crew which is a great organization but i think this is a big existential question that is is kind of getting played in by a lot of staff is the, the 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 desire to uh take tools or ideas or concepts and say well this is this works here and it worked so we're going to make the global approach necessary I'm, you know that's that's probably a, a little bit of a ham-fisted you know and maybe yeah because it should it should be it should be pointed out that with as is with true with crew is true with many organizations large yeah. organizations especially missions organizations no one's sitting there telling you these are the five steps you will take and this yeah. is the yeah. it's not like starbucks where they send you the marketing and they say okay put this in the window yeah. um yeah and that that's that's not the way this is is handling but there are let's say best practices which get put out there yeah. and then well, and there's a, there are assumptions yeah, assumptions. Yeah, that's probably it. It makes yeah. its way into the ethos of the yeah. of yeah. the organization, or as I like to call it, the ethosphere. The ethosphere. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think that's a better way of putting it. Like I said, I felt my way was a little bit because we don't ever, you know, I've never had anyone go, "You got to do this." Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe especially now that we're older and more wiser. You know, there's maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The older and wiser in, 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 in context of me is just, uh, no, I mean, I'm just fatter. Yeah. Just, yeah. Well, you know, good food. Nowhere to anyway, eat. sorry. <laughs> it, it, um, no, but, but although when you, when you, when, when you are, I want, this is a little bit of a rub sometimes though, the younger people come over are trained a specific way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or with a certain, and so they come particularly to Europe, and 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 older staff or national staff are often doing a different thing or saying that's not going to work. And so sometimes there's a rub there, which usually gets yeah. played out because usually the people who've been around, I mean, sometimes we can learn from the the new, some some new stuff. That's for sure. But there's, I think there's a balance there. But sometimes can lean a little towards the 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 money side or the larger that is. You know, we. Got, the people and, and, so, and so that that can kind of you know create some tension you know and I, like I said I don't think it's not it's not intentional like you said it's part of the culture um, but I think what what you and I would argue is is the, the the deference needs to move towards the local individualized cultures that yeah. people you know not not the organizational culture especially missions well so so I think I think one I think one example of this. Um, maybe, maybe a good way to think about that is something that is not, let's say crew, but, but is, I think a lot of people know about these days and that's the Bible project. Um, what the Bible project is trying to do is, um, not it's revolutionary, but not revolutionary. Right. So Mm -hmm. there've been lots of organizations who wanted to get the word of God out into mankind. Um, you know, there's, you know, the international Bible societies and Wycliffe. You know, different, yeah, Wycliffe and, and Bible, Bible reading programs and Bible studies. I mean, navigators and, you know, all sorts mm-hmm. of things. So, so it's not, it's not revolutionary to think that someone would want to exist just to be able to help people understand the Bible. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> so that is a, and it's not revolutionary to think that someone might want to utilize the internet. That's a technological uh, tool that people mm-hmm. are using. But what the Bible project has done is they've adapted to culture 
which they began to see, wait a second, people seem overall to be ignorant, have missed out on some of the narrative of the Bible. And it could, one way that we could help people understand the Bible is to begin to explain these things in short, compact meaning, but overarching, mm -hmm. so that people begin to understand and appreciate the Bible for what it is. Why did they begin to see that? They began to see that because in large measure, what was once a Christian culture no longer was educated in Christian things. So as, you know, some, uh, what do you call it, apologists have liked to point out, you know, um, we, we used to use the word, um, you know, the word of apologetic used to be in the vernacular. Um, the priest would be the person to go to when you needed someone smart to talk to. Yeah. And those things are no longer the case. Um, and so, Therefore, you have to kind of work backwards. And so what the Bible Project did, and this is what was adaptive about it, uh, we're having a conversation with uh, Todd Bolsinger, Lord willing, in a, in a couple of weeks. So we'll talk to him more about this. I think next week. Is that next week? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when that gets laid out, everybody, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, but he is the he's the author of uh, Canoeing the Mountains, and I'm venturing a little bit into space. Maybe I shouldn't because I'm commenting on it before we've talked to the expert. But I'm you know, since when has being being prudent stopped me from doing anything? Yeah. Uh, but he talks about technological adaptation and or change and adaptive change, and the difference being technological might be that utilizing the internet to get out your. I think culture needs when we think about when we think about sharing of the gospel, most of the time we need to make adaptive changes rather than yeah. technological changes when we're crossing cultures. Yeah. And because culture is always changing, um, it's never static. Now, those changes can, I think, happen over hundreds of years, but culture is is changing. Yeah, always. Um, it's always changing. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think then the uh, there has to be an adaptive process to to being a missionary there has yeah. to be the process of kind of adapting it to the culture yeah totally and i, I think I, I think you're 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 definitely right we i think a lot of organizations uh and, and i'm not saying the tech the technical change isn't 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 the sometimes the correct thing to do it, it obviously is and sometimes the technical change can help move things forward a little bit but we need to be careful that it, I, I think particularly as we talk about Western Europe, uh, that the technical change, we don't assume that it's going to be the the thing that solves the problem. Really, the adaptive change is, but you need to define the adaptive change really well. You need to define what, what the problem is well as well. And I think sometimes we struggle, uh, which I think to, to, to then, you know, whether uh, when, we, when we talk with Stefan Poss, right, you know, he mm -hmm. helps us see what the real problem is. The problem isn't that people aren't uninterested in the Bible. The problem isn't that people aren't just, um, you know, busy. The problem, you know, the problem is there's there's a wholesale epistemological shift in how people see the world. Yeah. One that we've never, maybe we've never seen before. And so, you know, adapting to that is going to, first of all, probably be a, a having us to, to if we really want to reach certain populations to step back and go okay we really do need to look at most of our tools ideas assumptions and go these are all probably not going to work here um they can still work in certain places but they're not going to be as effective as we we think you know so you know that's an adaptive for me that's an adaptive challenge to go okay are we really reaching 
secular Europeans. Yeah. Or are we? Well, I think that's where we have to be careful. So, so I love, uh, let's say, so a lot of books are written about principles, right? Especially when it comes to evangelism and discipleship. Okay. Here's a principle. Here's what you need to do. And then, you know, people kind of take that and apply it to your context. And I, I, I have no problem with that. I, I use principles all the time. Principle learning is, is, is great. Um, but I think we have to be careful to make illegitimate totality transfers. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to sound smart there. Um, so smart. I read it in a book somewhere. Um, but, but just the idea that, okay, it worked here, so it's going to work there. And more what I mean is tools. Or it worked one time in history and had incredible results. Therefore, yeah. it will always work in history. And let's try it again. Now, there may be a time to roll out a certain strategy or a certain uh, means of communication of the gospel. So a way in which the gospel is communicated. But I think we make a, we, we often make a mistake and I've been guilty of this too, to think, Oh, like I'll hear someone talk about how something's working. And so it's like, okay, well, I think we need to try that here. Now I don't think there's anything wrong with that. um, Cause a lot of times it does work. I think where we fall prey is when we start to go, okay, this is what everyone needs to do. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, It's just a lot more difficult than that. And I agree with you. We'll, we'll put up in a couple of weeks, I think is when Paz is scheduled. We've recorded it, but I think he really embarks on that question of, you know, this may be a situation in history, which we've never experienced before. Uh, No one in history has ever experienced a disenchanted people who are completely not interested in something spiritual. How do we as God's people enter into this time in history? Um, And I think that's, I think that's really hard, but I think it's all adaptive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's naming, you know, the elf in the room, which I think is something that is. Did you say elephant or elf in the room? Like the elf on the the elephant, the elephant, Sorry, (laughs) the elephant in the room, which I think if you read, um, what's the the two guys who actually wrote the 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 textbook on adaptive leadership uh you know they they i'm uh, blanking on their names the two the, the two harvard Hayfitz, yeah the Hayfitz and, uh, and something you know, the, yeah something but well i'll look it up here in a sec uh, uh which is it's a great book you know uh, for for you know organizations to think through things but you know they're really uh uh, kind of lost my train of thought there, but that's right. They're really clear about the idea that, you know, a, adaptive changes. Well, one of the, one, one of the, that's the elephant in the room. Sorry. One of the things they talk about is that you've got to know what the problem is. You've got to know. And sometimes organizations don't want to talk about or don't know uh, what the elephant in the room is. And so that's, I think sometimes, I think that's what I'll be honest. I, I think that's the biggest challenge we have as, as crew and a lot of mission organizations and as the church is they have not come to the conclusion that society has changed, is changing in Western Europe. And and it's rapidly going in a way that now it doesn't mean that there aren't communities or pockets that aren't going that way. It doesn't mean that that can't change, but that's things out of our control can't swing it back. But if we're studying the culture, we have to be really honest. Uh, And it it doesn't mean that the people aren't, aren't looking for Jesus. It doesn't mean people aren't open. It just means we've got to be really careful about identifying the elf in the room and, and 
and naming it and saying this this is what's going on or this is what we think is going on and then you you know then you try it out that's the one thing about adaptive leadership is you don't necessarily you don't you don't go in with necessarily a certainty you know which i think we're going to hear a lot about you know i think adaptive leadership and talking with um with Todd Bolsinger will be really interesting, but you know, you're going to hear a lot of talk about, you know, in the, in the Christian world in the future about adaptive leadership. And, but just because you think something is an adaptive change and you embark on it, doesn't mean you're right. You could be headed down the wrong trail. And you, so you do tests, you test your, yeah, your assumptions, right. you constantly test your assumptions. And so you find out, okay, wait a minute, we are headed down the wrong. We need to reverse. We're going the wrong way. Uh, so, you know, but defining the problem, getting the lay of the land, the current reality of, okay, yeah. this is, this is the challenge we're facing is the most yeah. important. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't want to speak for, I don't want to speak too harshly, but I, I worry that we have, we're not really honest with what the problem is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. I don't think I could put my figure on it. I think from probably most of my ministry life, I assumed the problem was that people weren't trying hard enough, weren't educated to, or discipled properly to, to uh, share the gospel, um, uh, weren't motivated enough, um, you know, different things, weren't being bold enough, um, didn't love Jesus enough, weren't praying enough. I don't, not, a, there was just not enoughs going on. Yeah. And I'm not saying that those aren't necessarily the case. I think there's probably a good deal of boldness that can be, you know, reimagined within the church or refound. Yeah. Uh, I think discipleship needs to continue. I think we need to be reevaluating over and over what our idols are uh, within the church, where we've sinned. Uh, where we've erred uh, is our picture of of God and Jesus the the proper one. Um, I think I, th- there's there's tons of things because every culture has. Who was it? Was it Paul Duncan, a friend of mutual friend of yours and I? He was. I was talking with him one time, and he was saying that someone did a survey of um, of Christians within, or maybe it wasn't even just Christians. It might have just been all everyone within the culture of different countries within Europe. And um, as to what word came to mind when they said the word Jesus and in England, it was King in um, I want to say in Spain, it was something like a tender mother, um, but that might've been Italy. Something kind of, kind of Maria, you know, came to mind more than anything. Um, You know, one, I don't remember what it was, you know, um, if it was the U S probably a salesman, I don't, I don't know. Um, but anyway, that was the point was that there were these different images that came up. And my, my, yeah. my point there is that every culture is going to have, we go about making our, our Jesus. Um, yeah. and that's what my, Matt Michelotto says so his point in the book, imaginary Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so, so I think that, I think that we do those things, but I just, I just, I, I, and those things block the us from all of those assumptions that go into things block us from really getting to the core of the problem. And then oftentimes when you bring up, if someone brings up what they think the core of the problem might be or the de- defining the problem, boy, there can be a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. And so it actually takes a pretty bold and confident person to stick with that long enough 
to allow most people to come up because essentially what you're doing is you're, you're challenging the assumptions of, um, of, of, of the way everyone's always operated. Yeah. Um, because you're in new, you know, charred territory, you're, you're having to adapt. I don't, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a bit of a lonely, lonely place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, it, 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 it really is. And I think, Oh, I think what even kind of starting this podcast, which kind of started to talk about a lot of these, these things, I think, you know, some of the response of people going, Oh yeah. Okay. We're, we've seen a lot of response of people feeling the same things or seeing the same things or, or, you know, uh, having this sense that we need to do something different or be a little different, I, you know, what, what, whatever it is, you know, but we, I think what we've seen is that the, those people working or dealing in sec, more secularized communities are kind of all seeing and feeling the same things. And I think that's, um, you know, but, but we're all isolated, you know, we're all kind of off and we don't necessarily have the platforms, you know, that usually, you can talk about because you know most most of the platforms in the Christian world, globally, are not are not really for uh, this this kind of context. You know, it tends to yeah, be big, yeah yeah. I was, I was big so big I, churches or I was whatever some, it is, and those are bad things. Once again, I'm not criticizing those. We need those, but there's there's not a certain place necessarily for the other conversation that needs. I mean, there are, but it's not it's 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 not as it's not really out there as much. And I, you know, it's something that you have to really assert to find a guy like Stefan Paz. You got to, you got to do a little bit of work, a little digging. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, but, so, so interesting thing happened the other day and I was walking away from, so I went to pick up some Indian food and saw a mutual friend. And then he was sitting with a guy I'd met before, but been years since I saw him and he's a church planter in, in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, uh, I say, Hey man, how's it going? He says, you know, it's going really well. We have uh, even during, you know, Corona, we've we've been increasing the number of people that we have, and you know it's it's going in fantastically well. We've got about forty people who consistently come. Yeah. Um, that guy's not making it up onto the stage of any no. church planters meeting. No. But I was in awe. Yeah, but you would be awe if you knew anything. If you know anything about Europe, if you know anything about Stockholm. Sweden. Stockholm. He's a church planter doing a, a house church plant. Like, yeah. and he's got 40 people coming. Like, it's yeah. like, it's it's it's, 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 it's awesome. And these are like, these are not like fed up people with the church down the street because there was a dispute over the colors of the pews. Like, no, yeah. this is, this is a hundred percent a dude who's just going in, finding people who don't know Jesus and, and, you know, leading them to Jesus or people who've completely walked away from the church. And so I was, I was in awe, but no, he's not making it onto the stage of any, um, you know, church planners conference anytime soon, but that kind of leads me to something. I, I, I was, let me see if I can find it on my iPad. Um, Oh gosh, where did it go? Um, so I, I, I'm I'm slowly going through. I wish I was doing it faster, but I keep getting distracted by other things. But uh, Eugene Peterson's memoir, uh, A Pastor. Have you ever read that? No. I might have talked about this before. It's fantastic. I, I highly recommend that you read this at some point because um, I think it really hits on so many things that if you're in ministry, and even, even if you're listening to this and you're not a pastor, I still recommend getting it because if you're in ministry in some way, you're a pastor, you're pastoring people in some way. And the way yeah. that Peterson at least approaches yeah. these things. Um, totally. 
And uh, he's talking about, so he planted his church uh, that he stayed at for like 25 years in Maryland in the 19 mid to late 1960s, I believe. And um, he started that in his basement. And he's talking about how things were um, in the beginning and how, as he started to look for literature on, on church planting and different stuff, um, how all of the literature that was making it into thing came from two areas, military or um, business. And mm-hmm. Peterson takes issue with that. Um, but what's interesting to me is when you read that, when I read that in 2020, up, uh, I would say that language has become such a part of church literature mm-hmm. that it's almost off-putting when he says it, or it's surprising when he says it. But yet yeah, he was seeing it in the 1960s. So that just shows you how much it's made it into our, our popular culture. But anyway, so he says, I was astonished to learn in one of these best-selling books that the size of my church parking lot had far more to do with how things fared in my congregation than my choice of texts and preaching. I was being lied to, and I knew it. This is the Americanization of congregation. It means it means turning each congregation into a market for religious consumers and ecclesiastical business run along the lines of advertising techniques, organizational flow charts, and energized by impressive motivational rhetoric. But this was worse. The pragmatic vocational embrace of the American technology and consumerism that promised to re- rescue congregations from ineffective obscurity violated everything, scriptural, theological, experiential, that had formed my identity as a follower of Jesus and as a pastor. It struck me as far worse than the earlier erotic and crusader illusions of the church. It was a blasphemous desecration of the way of life to which the church had ordained me, something on the order of a vocational abominable abomination of desolation. Those are harsh words. Yeah. But I kind of think it's true. I'm not saying that there's nothing good to be mined from business from the principles of within business or, or whatever else for ministry. Yeah, sure. I just think we lean on it too much, you know? No, oh, of course. But, but, but I think we're a nation of consumers. We are we're a, a world nation. of consumers now. I, I think, right. A world, but we are more so in America. America. Yeah, that's true. We, we the, what was it? Calvin Coolidge, the business of America's business. I mean, we are, we are the nation who invented marketing, who, all that stuff. I mean, we, and perfected it. We, we market ourselves to death. So I think it, on one hand, the church is caught up in a society where it's just, it's kind of going along and we're not aware of sometimes that we're so caught up in this, you know, this, this world. Uh, and we don't think about it as much. So on one hand, I, I kind of can forgive it because that's just how everyone thinks in some degree. Right. You know, you've, you've yeah, it's the ethosphere. It's the ethosphere. Of I'm going to get that working, man. <laughs> and it's, it's not necessarily, not necessarily a bad thing, but it's disadvantages are, I think are quite sharp, you know? And so I yeah. think, I think that's, that's, that's one, one issue for me. I think the other thing that's fascinating to me is I've, I've been reading a lot of literature, literature on leadership, you know, both Christian, which has gotten better, I think, but also on, uh, on, on, you know, it depends on who, you, where you're, where you're swimming, but also, it, but it, at the highest levels, you know, Harvard business, those, some of the best leadership stuff that is out there has become more Christian. Yeah. More Christian, more Christian than, than we are. 
uh, where service leadership is about service. Leadership is about vulnerability. It's building trust between people. It's about building community. It's about making sure everyone gets there together. So the business literature more and more, I mean, just go in and type leadership vulnerability and you'll get stuff from Harvard business saying, talking about leaders need to be vulnerable. Oh gosh, Brene Brown. I mean, that's, she's made a massive career off of that. And as far as I know, she's not a believer. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Vulnerability and shame and everything else. Yeah. All of the, so, all of the stuff is pointing to it. Yeah. And, and, and above all is servant, servant leadership. I mean, Simon Sinek, he talks about, and, and a lot of these people, some of, some of them are, are Christians. And so they're bringing some of that in, but some of them are not, and many of them are not, but I think it's Patrick Lencioni, who is a, who is a believer. Yeah. He talks Catholic. about how he, he, yeah, he believe he, he tries to base all of his stuff in, in the life of Christ, in the, in the Bible. Because he, he believes that that that's truth there, and that truth will then have impact, you know, in other places of the world. So it's fascinating. I think I'm not sure everyone in the evangelical world ha, is has caught up onto that 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 switch, which I don't know how it happened, when it happened. But for me, as I oh, read yeah. more and more, it, I think you're the, right in the, in the leadership world. It's a different it's a different world than even the. Now I I, I want to be careful because there's still a lot of great Christian thinkers uh, doing some really good stuff. Um, I mean, let's just say Henry Nowen, you know, his, his writings on leadership, you know, incredible. I mean, uh, you know, if, if you're, if you want to lead and you're not reading Henry Nowen, what, I don't want to say that at all, but you should. Yeah. Careful. I haven't read any Nowen in yeah, a yeah. while. You, yeah. Uh, and you'll have to read. Just, feel too bad. It's been a hard really week. Short. That's the thing. His books are really short. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but here's the, here's something I think we have to remember. So two things to, to go to Peterson again. I, I usually quote from one of two Petersons, Andrew or Eugene. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Eugene Day, I guess. Um, Eugene Peterson once said that he had this dream of filling that parking lot that he mentioned yeah. uh, when he was a younger pastor. And he, jo- he, he, he said one day, yeah, I always thought that I, you know, when I started a church, I'd be like a lot of my friends that I would have, uh, that I would see thousands and thousands of people in my church parking lot. And uh, they stayed away in droves. <laughs> and uh and it was interesting to see him at the end of his life he was never he didn't seem bothered by that Mm -hmm. uh because he decided to cultivate faithfulness you know that's something that comes up in you know pos mentions as far as we are we're in exile and that's one of the things that's that is told to israel when they're in exile is cultivate a heart of faithfulness cultivate the land cultivate faithfulness uh where you're planted and uh, that seems to me uh, a lot more important than than driving the, the parking lot full. Uh, nothing wrong with having a full parking lot necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. But the other thing that, that, that Peterson, I think, points out again and again is just that idea of, um, you know, the, these business principles are fine because a lot of them are actually especially the ones at work, like, you know, vulnerability and, yeah. and different things like that. There's a lot of good in that. And when people do it, they're echoing, I would say they're standing on the shoulders of a Christian foundation. Yeah, of course. Um, well, and but, they went around the fifties and sixties. That wasn't. A, right. Those yeah. Those weren't the, right. The, the so I, I think, uh, I think those are, those are a good thing to recognize. I think it's just important for us as Christians to recognize, um, how broken we are and how much we need Jesus. And yeah. I think Robbie, Robbie Zacharias's fall yeah. or posthumous fall um, yeah. 
only points that out. It seemed like Ravi on the outside was spick and span, uh, a man above reproach. And it now seems that he struggled and he was a yep. very flawed individual. Yep. I've been thinking a lot about him because, you know, we got to meet him. We, we hosted him here. Um, I listened to his stuff for years and in a lot of ways was a hero of mine. Um, but I've come to the point where actually when I found out, it didn't surprise me at all. Not because I questioned his character, but I think I'd be, I think I'm more and more coming to see that it's really hard as an individual to be around crowds for very long where a person does not become corrupted. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that I think probably, I don't know for Ravi, but I think it's possible that for those that don't know Ravi Zacharias it's now come out that there's been quite a bit of sexual miss, well, sexual just misadventure. Yeah. Not great things. Um, and uh, to, to RZIM's credit, they're, they're being very open with it. And I know that it's very painful to do so, uh, but they feel like this is the best thing to do. And I, I applaud them for that. Um, but anyway, so I don't think it's, I don't, I, towards the, I started to listen to some of the, the, the messages that Ravi gave towards the end of his life. And he talked about how lonely he felt. He talked about how hard it was to be on the road all the time. Yeah. But then he would always say something, but you know, this is, these are two important things. So you keep going. And I think that's the lie that he bought into. Yeah. And this is something that for me, I've been really trying to embrace lately. It's very easy. It doesn't matter if your ministry is, is millions of people like Robbie Zacharias or 10 people we can easily fall into the lie that I'm too important to slow down or I'm too important to stop. And frankly speaking, you're just not the God of the universe is, is more capable of bringing people to him. He does not need us. He uses us. And that's a lie that, that I think this, I think men have been buying into that and it doesn't matter what, what you come from, whether it be a business background, military background, you know, as, as Peterson mentioned, you know, erotic background or whatever. The fact of the matter is everyone buys into that lie. That's a struggle yeah. of humanity. Um, well, well, but, and it's, but you can't build it so big that you become, you become too dependent. Yeah. That, that I think that's a huge part of it. I, th- I think, you know, it's, it's the, you grow your head more than you grow your heart. I think the other thing is, we, I'll say this about America too, America is a land of celebrity. And so as evangelicals, we bought into the celebrity and that's allowed people, a lot of people, this is not, you know, Ravi Zacharias is far from the first uh, and far from the last. Yeah. But what, I think one thing you see that's very common in a lot of this is people who become very, because they are who they are, they have a lot of leeway that, you know, okay, rightfully so. But in the Christian world, um, what, what do you do with that? I mean, because now you're being very isolated, you have the power you have. And so it creates very isolated people um, with the ability, if they have certain tendencies or problems or that, you know, we probably all have, but if all of a sudden now you can purchase spas and, and, you know, and spend all your day at a spa I mean, I mean, to me, to me, that's one of the things that happened that I'm just like, yeah, how can, you know, that's yeah. just nuts because, but yeah. he is, he, he, there's money and power and success and celebrity. Yeah. 
Yeah. And 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 very it'd be and, very and a, and a reputation of oh he's got this that yeah, seems weird this. to me but it, it's Ravi I'm sure it's fine yeah, yeah. that's what you, you need that's what and I've just I've just been rereading now and just in the name of Jesus and you know he talks about leadership you need community you need yeah. you need other people more than you you think you do and those people need you and we shouldn't be doing leadership we didn't shouldn't be doing uh, any type of ministry alone. We should be doing it in community and as a group. And that's one of the things I love about crew is we don't, we don't have a celebrity culture necessarily. We have, I don't, I, I'm never going to be able to buy a spa and then show up, you know, and, that, that, and there's a lot of accountability, I think, where people, yeah. you know, are going to ask you, well, well, you know, what's, what's going on? What's going on? You know? Okay. So just quick segue. And then, but okay. Big, big Eugene Peterson fans, you too. Yeah, you two often traveled full time on their tours with the pastor. Yeah, people don't know that. People don't know that, that or family. I mean, they, but those guys were also very, very good friends. Because I mean, being a rock star on the road is not a, uh, you know, it's not it's not a place where you need to hide things. On one right. right. But if you're you two who who I think are very serious Christians, it's also a place where it could be tremendous you know, temptation and problems, but they've, they've clearly built in things into their lives and, and friendships and relationships that have kept them from getting into some, maybe some, some of the, the darker stuff. Yeah. And, not. and, and, you know, and I don't know, you know, I don't know you two personally and I applaud them for, for, you know, it seems like they take their faith very seriously. Um mm-hmm take following Jesus very seriously and are pretty seem to be pretty moral people. I'm sure not without failing. And I, I actually think that that's, that's one of the things that we need to remember that, you know, when you, when you hear something like uh, the falling of a pastor or the falling of a friend, doesn't he, he doesn't have to be known. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I don't, I don't think we should be surprised by the deceitfulness of sin. No, not at all. I, we need to, we need to, we need to weep at it. We need to mourn for it. Um, but we, we certainly need to, you know, Brene Brown has recently been talking about the, you know, she does a lot of, my wife listens to her podcast and she, she was recently talking about, you know, shame and the role that shame plays. And, you know, just, just because someone's done something wrong, making them feel bad about it shame wise actually doesn't really end up helping. Um. I don't know where that applies here other than to say, I think we've got to create a community where vulnerability is the, is the, is the, is the goal, not shame. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. And that's good. That, I don't know that this goes into what past says, because past says we we're, we're a community that, that gives foretastes of, of what is to come. Mm-hmm. And I, since he said that, I, I'm giving away like the podcast, but you people should listen anyway. Yeah. Uh, that, but since he said that, I've been thinking about, I think I've been thinking a lot about that. Cause I, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. And we're never going to get rid of the failure of a lot of leaders. Although we need to get rid of celebrity culture within Christianity. It's, it's yeah. terrible. Uh, but we're never going to get rid of it fully because there's not celebrity culture within the Catholic church and look, priests, you know, have had issues in the past. 
Yeah. And I would you're imagine gonna have there's the, still, there's still issues. Right. So you're always going to have those issues, especially sexuality, because it becomes a mask for something else that's, that's going on yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. And that's, I think that would be an interesting subject. Sorry, this is um, completely random. New rabbit trail. Oh, I think that would be a that's fascinating right. subject if we could find an expert. So if anyone happens to know of one, send them our way, who we could talk to about, I would say it doesn't have to be limited to, but I would, I would think it fascinating to talk about sexual deviance within ministry and it being a, a symptom of a much deeper problem. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'd wager that the sexual deviance that Robbie Zacharias engaged in is terrible. Yeah. But I don't think that was the real problem. I think the real problem was, you know, way deeper than that. And so I think that would be a fascinating thing to talk about, um, to figure out. Cause that, that's, there's some, there's some kind of connection there and some yes. deep work needs to be done. Well, and, and and so that's, I mean, I think you're talking about shame and vulnerability. I mean, this is a key thing about, you know, alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, the ability to say, oh, I, I need help. I got a problem mm-hmm. and I can't, mm-hmm. and I can't. And I think that's what happens with a lot of pastors I get in this or leader, Christian leader or anyone who there's on one hand, you've got this need to be moral, correct, upstanding, righteous. On the other hand, you got this really huge job you're doing, you're serving mm-hmm. and helping, you're doing great things. You know, in the midst, you know, maybe you're some, some things are off with your relationship with, with Jesus or relationship with other people. But the problem is you can't, you don't have the freedom. And a lot of, even a lot of people in our churches don't have the freedom to stand and go, I've got, I can't do this. I can't get out of this problem. I need help. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, because of shame, you know, a lot of, you know, and I, you know, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have, strong moral lines and clear convictions about what things are, but you know, you, you, we, we, we created cultures where it's really hard for people to stand up and go, gosh, I got this, I've got this problem. You know, that's the first thing Alcoholics Anonymous or any drug program yeah. can help you see is like, no, 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 this is just who you are. It's all right. You're yeah. You can, you can find grace and forgiveness. Um, but you've got to be honest about it. And I think that's, that's a fundamental problem. I mean, for a lot of pastors, people they are you know, they're, they're looking at their salaries or. Yeah. Yeah. Lost a job for their kids or just the shame of disappointment of people, you know, the community that you're, yeah. I mean, look, the, the reasons for, for not mentioning it and trying to battle alone and everything else are totally understandable. I think that's why it'd be interesting to get someone on because I think there's, there are such deep things there. And listen, you know, having just finished seminary, I think there's a lot, better methods and let's say education towards that end and efforts towards vulnerability and everything else going on now than there ever has been in let's say the last hundred years yeah or even maybe maybe history so i'm I'm really encouraged because i think there are quite a few you know someone did a someone did a twitter meme not too long ago it was like you know um you know 19 1950s two friends whispering to each other did you hear that so and so went to a counselor (laughs) yeah yeah, you know 2021 (laughs) posting on twitter you will not believe what my therapist said i said to my therapist today you know like so there's there's a sense there that everyone's kind of going okay we all need it and that's a that's a really good development um but i just yeah it just we need we need more of it um yeah yeah that's not something i think something i've been thinking of lately as I'm watching my kids, 
uh, grow up and they're going to have their own battles and, and everything else in life. Um, I've realized every generation has to, it's kind of like, it's a season. So if you think about the growth season, you know, death, seeds, growth, new growth, death, you know, all those things that gets brought out over a generational lifespan. And we, we have to find new ways to communicate and reimagine and redo the same things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we're in the middle of a battle in a specific way right now, but our kids are going to have to engage with that in a different way. And it can't be the same way that we're doing it because there's going to be challenge. Anyway, it's kind of a fascinating thing to think about. Um, I hope that, you know, our kids will have an easier time of it, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? I don't know what that last part <laughs> meant. The, la the last 30 seconds of whatever I said, just <laughs> disregard. That was good. I, that was don't, good. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Anyway, oh man, Jesus come quickly. <laughs> Jesus come quickly. Well, uh, do we have anything else to, to to talk about? Are you reading anything interesting these days? You're reading Henry now and you just finished that. Yeah, we, we read for our staff retreat, uh, in the name of Jesus. And I've uh, the book I am reading that's just for fun is a book about it's a book called the spy and the traitor by a guy named ben mcintyre it's about um i'm gonna butcher andre gordievsky he was the highest uh he was actually the head of the kgb in the uk at one point and he but he had been a uh what's the what's the british people called mi mi he'd been an mi6 mole He'd been an MI6 mole for like 20 years already. They'd had him. Wow. And so he's, I think, one of the highest people. Uh, so fascinating, just a story of his life, why he decided, because he, he did it all. He, he had finally seen the, the, the moral bankruptcy of the entire Soviet system, and he, he wanted to take it down. And um, he, uh, it was a gradual process. But he, he, uh, he was responsible for a lot of, you know, people were spying on the U.S., getting caught up, and or 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 Europe, you know, Western Europe, from the Soviet side. So it's, it's a very fascinating story. Because wow, send send me the know. send me the link a link to that book. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a, it's a good read. It gets it's a little slow going at first, but you know, then he, he starts getting into some, you know, but uh, how how they how they were able to pull that off and how. But it was at one point he was head of the K, KGB residentura in in London, in the embassy in London, and he was. Uh, was a MI, MI, MI5 or MI6. I can't, you know, huh. the, the, the Brits, they, they should just say like FBI or CIA. That makes it right. Clear, like, instead of having the <laughs> exact same thing, but off by one. Sorry, British uh, people. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a book on, I'm slowly making it through, but Spanish Civil War by a guy oh, yeah. Hugh Thomas. Did you yeah, recommend yeah. that book to me? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Hugh Thomas is more balanced. It's, it's massive. It is a massive book. Yeah, a lot happened. It's a very complex uh, civil war. Honestly, well, so I'm 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 about 20% through, right? So I'm reading on Kindle. And I've just now finally got to a place where okay, I'm starting to understand what was going on because the first the first third of the book is or I guess 20% of the book, first fifth of the book, uh is basically I got no clue. Names, places, yeah, yeah. there's so many people involved, so many yeah. factions, so many this. I I was I am I was thoroughly confused. Yeah, uh, and plus you're dealing confusing. with you're dealing with names and places that you don't really you know aren't familiar because yeah. I'm I don't I know very little of Spanish history so trying to learn more but it's fascinating to think that just recently in Spain I mean this is recent recent yeah yeah, yeah. a massive civil war yeah that we just don't talk about yeah 
Well, and it was, it was, it was, I mean, some people say it's the start of the, of World War II really was, you know, and uh, what happened there. Cause you, right. you had, you know, you had, had Russia squaring off against Germany and Italy fascism versus communism, but then all right. this other stuff. And then, and then it was such a coming, you know, it was such a coming of age war for a whole generation of writers and thinkers and artists, you know, from Picasso to Hemingway. So it's, 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 yeah. a, it's a fast, it, it, it's a fascinating war. Not that, when well, if you can say wars are fascinating, but it's, it, in that sense, you know, World War II obviously is incredibly, you know, fascinating war. Uh, but Spanish yeah, but Civil War just has Spanish so many. Spanish Civil so War just isn't really talked on. about a lot. It's kind of like, oh yeah, no, no, there was don't. the then there was the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, yeah, but it was, but it was, it was, a, it was really, I think. Uh, I mean, you think about uh, from an artistic and literature standpoint, it probably had more impact on the the 20th century than than any other war i think because mm. it it set a lot of uh a lot of thinking going down down sure pass yeah and a lot of americans were involved in the Spanish yeah war. It's actually a very american war uh tons Fasc- yeah, fascinating stuff i'm uh actually the whole world was involved that's that's yeah. the interesting yeah. thing is there were just factions from all sorts of places that were, were doing different things and yeah. everything else fascinating stuff uh well man I think we have uh, come to the end of our time. We're going maybe a little bit longer than we had planned to. Yeah. Uh, great to <laughs> chat with you. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> yeah, we, we've never done that before. Never gone long. <laughs> but, uh, I think I think uh, our last podcast that we just posted is, uh, how long was it? it? was like an hour and 42 minutes or something. It was long, but it was four guys talking about a movie. That two of yeah. the guys were, were I mean, actually- look, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, the two guys were actually stars of a movie, so you know it was, there was a lot to talk. About. Yeah, no, it was it was it was very good. It just uh, yeah. we we went long. It was long. Uh, anyway, man, uh, great to uh, great to ch- catch up with you. Uh, always a pleasure. Hope you have a great weekend. And, you too, uh, man. Have a good one. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. <laughs>